Welcome in to Talking Terps, a show which covers University of Maryland basketball and football. Talking Terps is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Terrapins. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome into Talking Terps. I'm your host, Zach Kiesel. Talking Terps is brought to you courtesy of Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One. Mercer is a third-generation family business established in 1959 and located on Main Street in beautiful, historic downtown Westminster, Maryland of Carroll County. For all of your flooring needs, think Mercer. The Maryland's coming off a bye week. We, Pat and I talked basketball last week. I got Mike Popovic here uh, to talk football. Obviously, Maryland beat Northwestern two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, whatever it was. And now we've got Wisconsin coming up this week. So, uh, Mike, Pat couldn't be here with us, but I got you here. So uh, how you doing? Doing well. Uh, busy uh, busy time right now. Things will die down after uh, next week a little bit, but uh, doing pretty good. Uh, I see our Ravens uh, made a big pickup at linebacker. Uh, it was nice to have last – I had a rare Saturday off uh, to be able to – Relax, and I did watch college football. I watched that Penn State-Ohio State game, and then at night, Michigan-Michigan State, uh, prior to all the hubbub after the game, of course. Um, so it was nice. It was nice. Tried to catch up on a little sleep, but uh, back in the thick of it this week. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was down in Tampa for the uh, Ravens-Bucks game, so that was that was a good nice. time. Yeah. Uh, it, much better than my trip down to Miami last year for that game. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, not, it's nice weather down there right now. Yeah, uh, if you yeah. have the chance to go down to Florida this time of year, it's very nice. Uh, so, as I alluded to, Maryland earned bowl eligibility two weeks ago against Northwestern, um, picking up the sixth win. We talked about it a little bit uh, two or three weeks ago that this is the first time that Maryland's been eligible before bowl eligible before the month of November since 2010. It's the earliest that they've been bowl eligible if you go by the date since 2001. Mike, that's a big deal for this team to be able to get to six wins. We've talked about this year kind of being an opportunity for them to take a step beyond those six wins, and that's exactly what they have the opportunity to do now through the month of November. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, three and one in the month of September, three and one in the month of October, and their two losses are by a combined nine points. You know, we still lament that loss to Purdue, especially at that one point where the defense forces three straight turnovers and they can't get any points out of it. But they played Michigan really tough for the big house. Uh, Billy Edwards, who, of course, got the start against Northwestern, ended up having to come into that game against Michigan. Uh, but for the most part, outside, because no one really expected them to win that Michigan game once we found out that Michigan was pretty much picking up from where they left off last year. But we still expected a competitive game. The only game that you take a look at it again and say you wish that they would have had it and at home is Purdue. But they've done as close to... Uh, what we expected them to do and what needed to be done so far. And to your point, you know, this is how you build that foundation, that resume in getting to six wins, getting to back-to-back bowl eligibility here. Uh, and then you've got the month of November in front of you, and we'll see what Maryland does from here. Uh, but they still do have an opportunity, to your point, to match and exceed what happened last year. And, you know, we talked about the recruiting class right now for next year is not where it needs to be, but let's remember the transfer portal. So I, I think this year is important for a lot of reasons, not just because 
you could build upon last year. You've got 15 starters back, so the environment is one in which you should have success. But also, though, you can show the transfer portal guys or guys that will end up in the transfer portal that this is something that is building. Last year wasn't a fluke, that they're able to put something together here and that Mike Loxley has this thing going and that Maryland is is now starting to put together uh, some consistent runs and hopefully can be, and I think, a middle-tier Big Ten program uh, on a fairly consistent basis. I don't see why they can't do that. Are they ever going to be elite? No, I don't think so. But can they be a really good middle-tier team and compete? Sure. Yeah, Loxley has talked a lot about wanting bowl eligibility and that six-win threshold to become the standard at Maryland. And that should be the standard for Maryland. That should be where they are every year. It's reasonable. And that's the thing, reasonable expectations. And then from there, how far they go, That yeah, that's going to vary from year to year. But I'll tell you right now, in the Big Ten and the East Division and then with USC and UCLA coming in in a couple of years, Zach, you take a look at it. If Maryland could go six and six, seven and five every year, and in their losses, most of their losses be competitive. I, look, I don't think that as a Maryland fan, you can ask for a lot more. <laughs> I, I think that that's legitimate. I think that's reasonable. If you're asking them to win nine, 10 games a year, I don't think that's going to happen. That's being unreasonable. But yeah, six wins a bowl game uh, pretty much every year. Uh, agreed. agreed. And then an occasional run. Uh, to yeah, that eight absolutely. or nine sure. win, sure. depending on yeah. the like strength of the strength of Maryland's team. That's what yeah. it depends on the strength of the conference, the strength of the, the division. We'll yeah. see what you know. Obviously, the Big Ten is almost assuredly they're going to have to shake some things up as far as the divisions go in 2024 when USC and UCLA are at it. I know they've said that next year they're going to keep the same divisions, right. but uh, the following year things are going to change, and and they've they may not that. have. Yeah, they may not even have divisions. That too. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see how all of that shakes out. But yeah, I think for Maryland, that six-win threshold should be the standard. And then an occasional, every few years, you have the opportunity to go for that eight, nine, maybe even 10-win uh, special season where you end up ranked in the top 15, top 20. Uh, you know, that's some of the things that Ralph Regan was able to do. I don't think he necessarily was able to get that six-win uh, threshold to become the standard. You had years in there where there were those three or four win season, but you also had some of those special years, especially early on in his tenure, where he was able to get them to, um, you know, bowl games closer to New Year's, which is always the goal. Yeah, no, I, that's absolutely right. And I'm just hoping that Maryland could really fulfill what we think is possible from this roster. And the month of November, here we are in front of us. We'll see what they do. Uh, but they have, I think, a legitimate shot to come away with, you know, two wins. I think three would be pushing it. Uh, but if they get two, that's eight wins. I mean, that's huge. That That's huge from uh, where we were just a few years ago. And I think we got to remember that. You know, I think you guys talked two weeks ago, or we all talked two weeks ago. You guys brought up, Zach, I think you brought up the, uh, the, the quarterback situation and the injury, you know, bug that we've had. But you think about how in the depths of despair we've been at times where we had to use a, a linebacker at one point to play quarterback. But we've come a long way. You know, 14 was a mirage where uh, with Edsel, we ended up winning three or four conference games. Michigan and Penn State were really down. Then reality set in at 15, 16, 17, uh, 18, 19. And then a little bit of flash in 20 in the COVID year. And then last year we built something. So 
Um, yeah, it's taken a long time to get to this point, but thankfully we're here. And I think a lot of the heavy lifting, as they say, um, is out of the way. Um, but still work to be done to, to build that resume and, and make Maryland a, a consistent winner. Yeah, the last few times that Maryland has reached that six-win threshold, it's come in that final game against Rutgers, uh, at least a few times. In 2016 and last season, obviously, um, it, it, that's what it took, was kind of those final weeks, and, and this year that's not going to be the case. Looking ahead to the month of November, you play Rutgers in the final game the Saturday after Thanksgiving. You're obviously expecting that to be a, a win. Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, I think picking up one win in the next three weeks should be attainable for this team. You play Wisconsin and Penn State on the road and then Ohio State at home. You're not really expecting to beat Ohio State at home. Of course, they came pretty close a few years ago under uh, under Matt Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the next two, this game or next week, I mean, Penn State didn't look particularly strong at home against Ohio State. You know, early on, they looked okay, but... Ohio State wound up coming away with a pretty lopsided victory at the end of it. And then Wisconsin, as we'll talk about in a second, really just hasn't been that special this year. Uh, had a bye last week. They're currently 4-4, four and 2-3 four, and three in the Big Ten. Uh, they fired Paul Crist after a 2-3 and three start to the season. Um, but Jim Leonard, old friend for the Ravens fans out there, Jim Leonard and their current defensive coordinator stepped in as their interim head coach. Seems like they're doing a little bit better under him, although they haven't really played anyone, and they did they did lose a double overtime game to Michigan State on the road. They they did, but they did beat with uh, Purdue, who uh, is a solid team that we lost to. That was a thirty five twenty four game. I, I don't know what has changed offensively inside as to what they've done to tweak things, but just taking a look at that box score, you look at Braylon Allen. 16 carries, 113 yards. Graham Mertz, uh, efficient, 13-21, to 21, 203, two touchdowns. Wisconsin's offense uh, under Chris to start the year had really been lacking. And Wisconsin was one of those old-school teams, Zach, as you know, that was a lineup, eye formation, run-the-football-type team. Uh, very basic in terms of throwing the football, but it worked because they always, year in and year out, year out, have one of the best offensive lines in college football. A lot of NFL guys from Wisconsin. Same thing with Iowa. And Iowa and Wisconsin, a lot alike in that regard, where they have really good defenses and they run the football. And there's not a lot to their passing game, but it's a formula, though, that has worked year in and year out, year in and year out. Uh, Leonard has been an outstanding defensive coordinator. I don't think he had any prior coaching experience uh, to him joining the Wisconsin staff. Leonard, the former safety in the NFL, had two or three good years with the Ravens and was a good pickup, you know, for the program. But at some point, though, we're actually we're out of the shoot for Wisconsin for the most part. Their offense, just like I was, just wasn't doing anything. They weren't running the football, and if they're not running the football, they sure as heck aren't throwing the football because that's not their strength. Bobby Engram is their offensive coordinator, although I don't believe he was calling the plays. I think Paul Chris was. Engram was the former wide receivers and then later tight ends coach for the Ravens uh, for, I think, six, seven years, actually. Um, of course, the former wide receiver with Penn State, and he, I don't remember how many years, but he had a few years in the in the NFL. Uh, but I know that in the game against Northwestern that they played, that was the first under Jim Leonard as interim head coach. They ran a lot of Wildcat, and that worked well, part of the pun, Wildcat against the Wildcats. But as we know, Northwestern plays hard, but that's not that's not a great team this year, and their defense isn't very good either, even though they have a defensive head coach. But 
whatever they've been doing offensively, the Wildcats, some creativity, and whatever they've done to get that offensive line going has worked so far because the offensive production, it's a long way of saying, Zach, the offensive production has been a lot better for them in the last couple of weeks, uh, whether it be Northwestern, the loss to Michigan State, or the win against Purdue. Yeah, I think one thing that has really hurt their passing attack, something that I was reading that I wasn't necessarily aware of, is that their top two tight ends have both both suffered season-ending injuries before the year began. And when you think about a Wisconsin passing attack or a team like Iowa, very similar styles, they really rely on a big tight end to catch balls, whether it's in the seam or over the middle on play-action passes. And this year, Wisconsin doesn't have that. None of their tight ends have more than 10 receptions this season uh and typically you're looking at you know your your top or number two receiver being your tight end and they simply don't have that so that's obviously hurt them and they really don't have a dominant receiver to begin with they have two guys i'm blanking on their names shamir dyke and skyler bell there you go so i think i think bell is a freshman so really they're relying on these two guys um he is yeah that that's all of their passing attack um, and their running backs in typical Wisconsin fashion really don't play a role in the passing game. So Graham Mertz has obviously been better, but like you said, they want to re- lean on that rushing attack, and it's really Braylon Allen. I mean, he's it. Um, you, They are missing their second-string running back, Ches Malusi, who's been out for a couple games. He's not going to play this week. Uh, so that's uh, they're just going to live and die with Braylon Allen. Now, they've had success with that. Obviously, we know Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon. They've had plenty of running backs come through the Wisconsin program and really be those bell cows that you don't see that much nowadays. But Wisconsin still does it where they pick up 20 to 30 carries per game and they seem to get stronger as the year goes on. So that's going to be one matchup that's going to be interesting to watch because Maryland's run defense has actually been really good this year. That front three, really the entire front six or seven, have been strong against the run. Uh, the last time I checked, they were a top 25 unit heading into that game against Northwestern. I'm not sure where they rank exactly now, but they've been very good. It's been the strength of the, the defense because the passing defense hasn't been as strong. So that'll be interesting. They they obviously didn't do a great job against Michigan bottling up Blake Corum, but then again, no one has this season, so it's hard to judge them too harshly for that. But that'll be something that's interesting to watch. Maryland's run defense, how do they slow down uh, the, rushing attack of the uh, rushing attack of the Badgers? Because really, if you can stop that or at least slow it down, it probably really hinders their offense. Yeah, and I'm taking a look here, and I'll, I'll stand corrected a little bit in terms of the in terms of the run game. I, I think with Wisconsin, and now that, that I'm remembering a little bit more here, but also taking a look at a few of the numbers that to start the year, and for the most part, outside of that Illinois game in which they lost, and that uh, triggered the the coaching change. Allen has run the football really well. I think the biggest issue with Wisconsin was that at times they were moving the ball between the twenties but they made mistakes and turnovers and they couldn't score in the red zone. And that was, that was a huge issue. But yeah, against Illinois, uh, for Allen to have eight rushes for two yards. I mean, that's, that's just crazy to think. But prior to that, though, he had rushed the ball, including against Ohio State very well. And he's rushed the ball very well, uh, since then. So it, it's just been a, fa- a matter of them scoring points, I think, more than anything, which they have 42, 28 and 35. So they've been able to, overcome or get better in terms of limiting mistakes being um better in the red zone and uh you know Graham Mertz who you know came in has some talent to him but we've only seen it in spurts 
He, he just hasn't been consistent. He's made more mistakes than we've seen him make positive plays. Uh, but it seems as if he in the last three weeks has been a better quarterback. And I think maybe that's been more of a change than what we've seen from Allen, who actually has been pretty consistent this year. Yeah, five passing touchdowns for Mertz against Northwestern. Uh, nine passing touchdowns the last three games and only one interception. So obviously you look at the offense, he is playing better. He's being more efficient. He's not really throwing the ball more. In fact, just looking at the numbers, he might even be throwing the ball fewer times than he had earlier in the season. Um, but being more efficient and putting the ball in the end zone. And I think that's one of the, the risks you run as a run first offense. Uh, you know, Maryland was a run first offense, you know, a lot of the 2010s with like CJ Brown running the show. They really wanted to run the ball 65% of the time or so. And, but you, you do have issues when the field condenses in the red zone. And if you don't have a quarterback who can make those tight window throws into the end zone, um, it's hard because teams are going to sell out against the run and it, it, there's less risk for defenses to sell out when there's such a condensed field behind them. So, We'll see what happens this week. But like I said, I think that's going to be one thing interesting to watch. Can Maryland's front seven slow down Braylon Allen and this rushing attack enough? And then we'll see where things go from there. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately you, you'd much rather get beat in the air by Wisconsin than, than on the ground. I don't think there's any question about that. Now, what they'll have up their sleeve offensively a little bit, I think we do have to to be on alert for because they're coming off a bye week as well. They have nothing to lose. They can get more creative. Uh, talked about seeing the the Wildcat with uh, the Northwestern game. Uh, so we're going to have to see uh, what they present. I would expect that they'll have uh, you know some some trickeration, if you will, in the uh, in the game where they you know, where they use that and how much you know, obviously remains to be seen. But yeah, stopping the run is still going to be paramount. And then for the Maryland offense of Dan Enos, the chess match against. Jim Leonard and that defense is going to be a big a big question. Obviously, though, the Terps have a lot of weapons to be able to throw out them out at them. Excuse me. Yeah, Wisconsin's defense has been really strong against the run this season. Um, a little bit weaker uh, since Big Ten play started, though. Especially the Ohio State game, they gave up a lot of a lot of yards on the ground. I think it was like 250 or so yards on the ground in that game. Um, so that's something to watch. Their their pass defense hasn't been quite as strong, which kind of fits. Uh, it's what you would expect from an odd front defense like they run. Uh, it's built to stop the run up the middle, and then there are some weaknesses uh, in the secondary. They'll rely on a lot of one-on-one matchups back there. Um, one thing that they are really good at, though, is creating turnovers. 14 interceptions so far this year for the Badgers, two forced fumbles, uh, 16 total turnovers so far this year, and that's good for a plus five turnover margin for them. So that's obviously something that's going to be key for Maryland. In Talia's, in Talia Tungavailoa's first game back from injury, keeping him upright, obviously, against uh, Wisconsin's blitzes. Uh, Leonard runs just like the Ravens have over the years. A lot of exotic blitzes. He likes to blitz, especially on passing down. So keeping him upright when he probably isn't quite as mobile as you would like. And then limiting turnovers. You know, Talia, we've seen him in certain games uh, prone to um, some questionable decisions and turnovers. So keeping those uh, to a zero or maybe even one uh, against this Badgers secondary, while they, while they will allow some yards against them, uh, they are also really good at making plays on the ball. 
Yeah, it's finding that uh, it's finding that right mix for Enos. But again, we talk about the fact that Maryland throws a lot of passes that are really extended run plays uh, to the outside. So you've got that factored in. But you know, Roman Henby has been very good for this Maryland team this year. So you don't, and you've got again five starters on the offensive line that are back. You don't want to uh, get in too much of a pass happy mode uh, where you're forgetting about the running game there, and you've got to mix that in. Uh, but using him as as much as possible, both in the run and pass, uh, is is going to be key. But we've seen Maryland come out of games and just absolutely just throw, 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 uh, because they've got so many weapons and they feel like they can take advantage of that. Uh, but the uh, the the run game is something they didn't have last year and they need it this year. And you know, certainly defensively, if they don't have uh, a good day, Braylon Allen could run for a lot of yards and eat, eat up a lot of clock as well. And that could limit your offensive possession. So that's something to watch in this game as well. True. And Maryland has been good with the quick strike scores, especially this year, but then the last couple of years as well. So that may be something you're looking for, either big runs or big throws uh, to be able to score quickly. Hemby, 325 total yards the last couple of weeks, four touchdowns. So that's obviously huge. He's really the biggest reason why they were able to win that Northwestern game two weeks ago. Obviously, the big touchdown run at the end, the 75-yarder, but really just all game. Once they started leaning on that running game, um, in the second half, they were able to pull away in that game. One thing to watch for this week, you didn't have Antoine Littleton two weeks ago. He tweaked something. I forget what it was in pregame warmups. He should yeah. be back for this game. That'll be big to get him back and kind of have that one-two punch that you didn't have two weeks ago against Northwestern. Yeah. And Maryland, I know prior to the Northwestern game, had scored or their first possession every game to start the year. But with Tunga Vailoa being out, uh, that didn't happen with Billy Edwards. No surprise concerning that. Um, but, you know, to your point, Maryland is able, thankfully, to uh, strike quick if need be. And that's something that they have in their arsenal. So if they need to do that, they can do it. Uh, but I think one of the major uh, points to watch in this game as well is going to be first down efficiency. Because if Maryland uh, is not efficient on first down and they set themselves up for second and third in long situations, uh, you can expect a heavy dose of the blitz, I would think, from Wisconsin, and they'll get after Tunga Vailoa. So first down efficiency is going to be really important. And this is not a Maryland team that, even though we talk about they have the ability to quick strike and they have the ability to make the big plays, this is not a team that, when they get off schedule, is particularly good about overcoming that. So that's uh, that's going to be really key. Even though they got the talent there, they're not particularly good about being able to overcome first and 15, uh, first and 20, those kinds of things. And, you know, Zach, something that you know, we, we've talked about, so I guess we, we almost don't mention it because it's pretty much a given or an assumption, but penalties. Again, you're on the road here in Madison, although it's been an issue at home and away, but you're playing at Madison, a road game in a tough environment. You know, the penalties, that you cannot do and help out a Jim Leonard defense like that. Yeah, penalties and turnovers, and it's something that, you know, obviously penalties. And I'm not narrow. worried about the turnovers as much because they've been okay. pretty good with that. But to your point, I'll say that they have not really had a game, though, where they've had very few penalties and very few turnovers. They've still not done that. It's either been one or the other, but usually it's been more with the uh, penalties. Yeah, I will say I think having the Michigan game go the way that it did – uh, as far as Maryland being able to show fight in that game probably helps them for this one because this is the next biggest road test that they'll have that they've had this season. Obviously, the the second biggest probably comes next week against Penn State, but to this point, this is the second biggest one that they've had. 
being able to compete in that Michigan game probably gives them a ton of confidence. Exiting the bye or entering the bye week off of a victory, really two straight vic- three straight two straight victories, really gives probably gives them a lot more confidence as well. Um, so coming into a game like this, that with confidence, uh, I think is 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 crucial. One other thing to watch for, uh, obviously Wisconsin plays a lot of big sets offensively. A lot of fullbacks, tight ends, 21-22 personnel. So Maryland's going to be able to counter that with a lot of linebackers. That's what they're going to kind of going to be forced to do. Ruben Hippolyte and Jayshon Barham both missed the game against Northwestern two weeks ago. Hippolyte's been out for a little while. Um, It's still TBD whether they'll be back for this game, but getting them back for this game would be huge um, in order to shore up the defense uh, in the middle um, behind the the front three and one other thing to consider this is a noon kickoff so for the fans likely they're not going to get into the game until the second half so for maryland the ability to try to or the opportunity to go out there and strike early before the fans are really a factor in that game that's going to be important uh, for maryland to get off to a good start because as the game goes on and as the uh, fans awake and as they uh, you know, get the hair of the dog in them. Uh, they'll, uh, you know, they'll start to awaken. And of course, they have the uh, the the fourth quarter, uh, or in between the third and start of the fourth quarter, uh, with their uh, with their jump and the the tradition there. But yeah, I mean, early on, that's an eleven o'clock start for them. So I think for Maryland, you know, let's keep that crowd out of it for as long as we can, and that's going to be important with getting a, a an early start uh, because if you um, don't give them a reason to get revved up early in this one, and Hopefully, if you start out strong, you can keep them pretty silent for most of the game, as best as possible. Yeah, it's going to be a cold one up in Madison, as you would expect, too. 42 degrees is the high that I'm seeing wow. and cloudy. So, well, We've uh, had some mild weather in the Midwest, though. I've seen some games out there. I mean, Michigan, Michigan State Saturday yeah. night is one of those. It's like, well, you know, that's um, – but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, it, it is November now, so it shouldn't come as a surprise. We've had some mild days, but – uh, yeah, I don't, will the wind be a factor in that one, Zach? Not sure. I, I haven't seen that, but I think as long as you're uh, not dealing with any rain or precipit or snow, yeah. uh, you're probably you're probably thankful for that. Um, it's been a while since Maryland's played a game up at Wisconsin. I forget when the last time was. I feel like it was when we had like Max Bortenschlager or something, somebody at quarterback. So it's been a while since Maryland has had a real test against the Badgers. It it has, and I want to say it's. Was sixteen or seventeen? I think was that, the last that's time. what I'm thinking. I, I do remember us playing up there, and man, I and I do remember. I think at one point it, it was a game in which we we had a little bit of a run, but ultimately we lost that game. I think uh, it was one of those where we 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 started out and kind of beat ourselves a little bit. We're still in the game, but ultimately Wisconsin pulled away in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I feel like I remember and. I will admit, I think I'm also um, confusing it with one of the times or the only time that we played Nebraska on the road because I get their stadiums mixed up all the time and it's red. Same colors, yeah. (laughs) Same colors, same like crazy atmosphere with not a whole lot going on in that stadium. So let's see. So I've got it pulled up. We've played them three times, Mm -hmm. twice in Madison. So we actually played them in 2014, lost 52-7. to Fun. We played them in College Park the following year and lost by seven. That was Mike Loxley as the interim head coach after Randy Edsel had been fired. And then 2017 uh, in Madison, lost 38 to 13. 
And I feel like I remember in that game, DJ Moore had like a long screen pass in garbage time that ended up in a touchdown or something like that. So it, the, the final score probably doesn't reflect how, how much of a blowout that game was. But obviously, as you can see, the both of the times that Maryland has played Ma- played in Madison, it has not been a competitive game. Uh, and hopefully that changes this weekend. Yeah, I, and I'm really – it's it, this is a tough call because you don't know what kind of Wisconsin team you're getting and the momentum that they had – now with the bye, do, do they revert back to some of the issues they had before, or will they be able to build on uh, the momentum of winning two of three and that one loss being a double overtime loss to Michigan State on the road? Um, I just I don't know what Wisconsin team we're going to get. We talked about the offensive wrinkles that they could throw in there, and they have the, the bye week to be able to do that a little bit. Not that they're going to make major wholesale changes, but uh, they can make some tweaks and adjustments and things like that there. Uh, to uh, to enter into this game with. So I just don't know what kind of Wisconsin team you're going to get. And and for the Terps, you know, with quarterback, uh, assuming Tunga Bailoa goes, you know, how much rust will he have on him? Um, you know, how much mobility or lack thereof will he have? And I, I don't know. I mean, this uh, – and, and it's a Terps team, as we talk about penalties are an issue, and that concerns me about getting off to a slow start at this one. It's a noon start for them, too, and they're traveling – so I, I don't know. Okay, could it be ugly early on? Probably, yeah, probably will be maybe early on ugly. But I, I just don't know what to make or what kind of teams we're going to get from both Maryland and Wisconsin. Yeah, after the bye, there's always a chance that things are ugly early on. A little bit of rust, uh, and especially with Maryland, Tungavailoa hasn't played in an extra week, and he's coming off an injury, so there could be extra rust there. One thing I will throw out there is the kicking game. Um, Wisconsin's starting kicker, I believe, has been out all year. Uh, or actually, no, he has been in a little bit. But Vito Calvaruso is their starting kicker, and he will not be playing in this game. Uh, he hasn't played most of the year. They have Nate Van Zeist is their backup kicker. And he's two for three, but hasn't made a field goal over 39 yards this season. So if things come down to the kicking game, which there's always a chance of that happening in a close game, Obviously, you would you would probably give Maryland the advantage with Chad Ryland, although he did miss a, a short one two weeks ago against Northwestern. I was going to say, and look, I, I know that in college, 50-plus, that's asking a lot even in today's college game, but he's somebody that's capable of doing it. You know, he missed a field goal in the last game. Prior to that, he missed a kick of, of I believe, 51 yards. He missed another kick prior to that game. So he's had three straight games where he's missed a field goal. Now, granted, two of them were 50-plus, but he's someone that you expect to make more of those than miss. And it's been, yeah, it's not been great. In fact, he's one of four uh, in his last four games of kicks of 50-plus. So that's concerning. Now, he's two of three on kicks from 40 and 49 in the last four games, but I just uh, there have been a few times where I take a look and say, "Come on!" and and there was one kick though that wasn't even close, Zach. And was it in the Northwestern game or the Indiana game? I don't remember where it was a horrible, horrible kick. And you're thinking, "This guy, this guy's a, a fifth year senior, and he's given us that." I was, yeah, I, I was surprised by it. I will say one thing: Chad does have going for him is his confidence. He's he's never going to go out there and expect. To miss so that is one thing you bring with it the senior even though he's one for four on 50 yarders the last four times he's a, attempted them he'll believe if he trots out one trots out for one this weekend that he'll be able to hit it 
So we'll see. Uh, it'll be something to watch for. So currently, Wisconsin is favored by five. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, okay. yeah the over-under is 50.5. I think it opened at 5.5 for Wisconsin, so it's gone down by half a point. Uh, so what do you think? Does Maryland cover five, and do they do they come away with the win, or do they do they cover five? I, I, I think they can cover the five. Whether they come away with a win, I, man, I'm up in the air about that. I, I guess that response would say that I'm leaning a little bit towards the Badgers right now. Uh, and I shouldn't, though. This is a game that we talk about with 15 seniors returning and with a team that's 6-2 and two and has lost both games by a combined nine points. This should be a team that you feel very confident about going in there and getting it done. And not that I don't think that they can because they certainly can win this game. I, I, just, I just don't know. And I don't know why I feel that way. I just do. I, I'm hoping that they um, quickly make uh, – <laughs> a liar of me uh, or make me or prove me wrong I should say but right now I'm leaning a little towards Wisconsin uh but I do think Maryland could cover that number yes I mean it, I, look I mean we will like, cover you that. like you mentioned Camp Randall's not an easy place to play it doesn't matter when the kickoff time is they're going to they're going to be in there they're going to be rowdy uh, especially the students section is always strong there so it's not going to be an easy place for maryland to come away with a win uh it's it's football weather up there at wisconsin and it's going to be difficult this is this is their second biggest test of the year as i mentioned uh so far i have a strangely good feeling about this game i don't i don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means but i definitely think maryland can win and, and will win um i just i think wisconsin even though they've had some good results the last few weeks they haven't. I, mean, I know they beat Purdue, but it's not like they've played the strongest of the strong. I, Maryland hasn't either, um, but it's not like they've played the strongest of the strong. And when they did play the strongest of the strong in Ohio State, they didn't look good, and they didn't look good against Illinois either. And Illinois looks to be one of the the better teams in the conference this season, although in a pretty bad Western Division. Um, so I do feel good about this game. I do think Maryland wins one of the next two. So if they do happen to lose this game, I will easily predict that they beat Penn State. Um, I wow. do think they win one of the next two. I don't think they win both, but I think they win one of the next two. And I think I don't think there's any reason to believe why they can't win uh, either of these next two games. Um, I think Maryland is easily good enough, and I know they're on the road, but they've shown that they can compete on the road in the face of adversity uh, – at Michigan, fumbling the opening kickoff and still coming back and, and competing in that game. I think that shows a lot about this team's resiliency and experience. And they're not going to be overwhelmed in either one of these next two games. So I do think they come away with a win. No, I, I'm with you. I'm, well, jump in, I don't want to jump in too much to Penn State because we got this one to take care of. But this is a team that has players on it that went up to Penn State and gave them uh, a, a good beating uh, a couple of years ago in that COVID season. And Hey, both teams had to deal with it, so I don't want to hear, oh, it was a COVID year, and they started at 0-5. Both teams had to deal with all that, and if anything, that Maryland team should not have gone up and did what they did uh, with that amount of youth, and that was uh, you know, one of the Talia's first games. Uh, so uh, they do have that. So, but, but putting that aside, I'm in agreement with you. They certainly have a chance to win both games. They're battle-tested. They won't be in over their heads in any, in any way. I agree with you in that. Um, I do think they'll cover the five points. To, to your point, I just, as I mentioned, I, I just don't know the buy, how much that affects these guys, how Talia will look uh, coming back from injury, assuming he plays. 
Um, although I do have a lot of confidence in Billy Edwards. Um, I do think actually the buy probably hurts Wisconsin a little bit more than Maryland uh, because they need to keep that that role going after what happened. If you take a look at their schedule, you're right, Zach. I mean, they beat Northwestern, who's the worst team of the Big Ten. They lost to Michigan State on the road. Michigan State's not a very good team. Uh, they beat Purdue. I think that's certainly a quality win. But as you take a look at the schedule, they beat Illinois State 38-0. Okay, that's not a very good team. They lost to Washington State at home 17-14. That was one of their offensive issues. They beat New Mexico State big time. Again, that's New Mexico State. They were creamed at home uh, by Ohio State, or excuse me, on the road 52-21. to And then at home, a 34-10 loss to Illinois. And so you could see how the offensive issues there against good teams, and that necessitated the firing of Paul Christ, among, among other reasons. But when they played the good teams, they haven't won other than the Purdue game. So this will be one of their tougher tests of the year. And Maryland's similar to Purdue in terms of their ability to run and throw. And you know, defensively, I don't know that there's a whole lot of difference between Maryland and Purdue either. Um, they won that game, but can they do it again? It'll be a tough task. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. I think we'll certainly learn a lot by halftime about where these uh, these teams are in the game. Yeah, I will say to your earlier point, Loxley did say that Tungavailoa is going to start in this game. So he is expected. Okay, I'm sorry. I missed that. Okay. Yeah. No, you're good. Uh, but I agree. I mean, Edwards looked good last week, uh, but obviously he needed the running game in a big way in order to get over Northwestern. So this game would be a lot different for him. Uh, but yeah, having Tungavailoa, even if he isn't as mobile, his arm does not require mobility. Uh, so... As long as the uh, offensive line can give him a relatively clean pocket, which isn't going to be easy against North or against uh, Wisconsin's blitz packages. That is a strength of theirs, but that's where I go back to that first down efficiency. Yeah, so staying ahead of the chains, like you said, that's going to be key. And what's the, what's the biggest, what's the easiest way to stay ahead of the chains? Have a good running game. So get Roman Hemby and Antoine Littleton going downhill early, and it'll make things a lot easier uh, and allow Tugavailoa the ability to throw the ball downfield early uh, in downs without feeling like he has to um, do too much with his arm, which you never want, um, but you especially don't want when he's a little bit hobbled. And we'll see how Wisconsin decides to, to go after me. Will they say ultimately, and you wouldn't think they would, but will they say, no, we want to stop the run, or are they going to be more geared to stop the pass? You would think if you're Jim Leonard, you would rather get beat by the running game of Maryland than the passing game. So it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic goes back and forth and, and what Maryland comes out doing, what Wisconsin comes out doing, and what Wisconsin uh, wants to stop. Because the, the thing that Maryland certainly has with the balance is they have the ability to open up that box uh, with the receiving cord that they have, and you can't sleep on those guys uh, so it's pick your poison, and we'll see what uh, Jim Leonard of Wisconsin decides to do. Yeah, with the 14 interceptions that the Badgers have this season, I would think he would be comfortable enough to kind of sit back in coverage and wait for Talia to make a mistake. Um, we'll see if that happens. Uh, it goes against his aggressive nature of blitzing and playing man-to-man. Um, but we'll see. Uh, like you said, that's all things that we're going to find out pretty early on Saturday. Well, all I know is against Ohio State and and comparable wide receiver room, five touchdown passes for C.J. Stroud, 281 yards of the air, and one interception. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> and we'll and see. Purdue still put, you know, Purdue still put up. I got to take a look at what O'Connell did, and may, maybe they did a better job against O'Connell. Yeah, you're right. Actually, they, they haven't. Did. 
It did against him, though. They haven't been particularly strong overall against the pass. They've been better against the run. Uh, the only thing that makes those passing yardage numbers look a little bit better is all the the interceptions, although I would have to go back and look at where they got those interceptions because yeah. if they got four or five in each of their games against, like, New Mexico State and Illinois State, yeah, then it my, makes things look a lot different. Yeah, and that's my point. Now, to their credit, I mean, they picked off O'Connell three times, but O'Connell still he had a touchdown pass. He threw for 320 yards. Yeah. Yeah, actually, let me let me look at that right now. Where have they gotten their interceptions? Um, so they did have three three against New Mexico State, two against Illinois State. Um, so that's five right there, and two against Washington State. Since conference play began, seven. So half of their interceptions okay. have come again in during conference play. None against Illinois. That's the only game that they didn't have a pick and just one against Ohio State and Michigan State. Two against Northwestern, three against Purdue. But still, if you get one a game, that, that's I mean, that's still good. So, yeah, no, yeah. I, I understood. You respect, uh, respect their secondary. But thankfully, we've got a lot of weapons, and not just a wide receiver, but a tight end and a running back. So that's that's what it's going to make uh, really interesting to see what uh, what they do. Absolutely. So we all have articles up at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Be sure to check those out. I'll have my game preview out probably by the time this podcast is posted. Join the conversations on the message boards before, during, and after the game. And follow us on Twitter at TalkingTerpsBSL. Uh, for now, for my co-host Mike Popovic, I'm Zach Kiesel. Roll Terps.